Hello, and welcome to this month's episode of the Kinky Boys podcast. This episode, Buster and I have a nice long discussion about when's too much. Basically about keeping your kink safe, sane, and just understanding when it can go a bit too far. It's a bit of a nuanced discussion. We go into a lot of different topics around consent, understanding yourself, analysis, um, why things go wrong. It's very interesting and we cover a lot of ground in this one. Um, So before we begin, I would like to thank our Patreons. Uh, That's Demon Boy, Deco Very, Brian C, Harry Hypnotist and Matthew O'Mara. And I'd also like to thank our one dollar subscription patrons uh the all of you make our show so possible if you'd like to support us you get the episode a week earlier on our one dollar tier and on our five dollar tier you get thanked personally on the show by me um so with that out the way i will let's get on to the interview now just as a cw content warning uh, Buster and Toko are having a humiliation scene right in the middle of this interview. So if you're uncomfortable with degradating language, this might be an issue for you. Um, they do use the hard F, which I have bleeped. Um, but apart from that, I hope you enjoy the interview. And for those of you into it, I hope you find it sexy. The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Hello, and we've got Buster back, back, back again. Um, hello. Hello. Oh, God, he's like podcasting HPV. You just can't get rid of him. <laughs> well, hello, and welcome to the Kinky Boys podcast with me, your host, Buster, and special guest, that that that, that cub off the internet with the, them boots. Oh, God, it's like I'm being podcast cucked. Hot. We should talk about cuck sometime. Oh, I'd love to do that. It's something I really would like to cover. It's been so hard to find a guest willing to talk about it. But yes, um, so today we are going to talk about controversial topics. Woohoo! Because, you know, that, that... Like we don't know those. Yes. Um, so first, we are going to talk about knowing when's enough is enough. And this is basically when... Just sort of having an idea of when to put on the brakes. Um, and I think it's not around one specific fetish, but I think some kinks can lead down a dark road if you're entering into them unwary or unprepared. Um, so we just thought we'd talk about how to have a good guidebook and structure around how to stop certain kinks getting out of hand. Yeah, and I think it's really important as well to talk about how the kink community as a whole and kind of kink Mm -hmm. social media is very easy to kind of like uh, allow things to kind of get off get off the rails a little bit and Mm -hmm. and can really kind of take over, even if it's just a case of like engaging in a community and spending all your time on Twitter when you should be working. Mm -hmm. And we're all working from home and kind of it's very easy to have uh, to have this kind of take over your life a little bit. So that there's kind of all sorts of uh, kind of ways in which kink can really kind of affect your life day to day. Um, and that's coming from a, like, kink is a lifestyle kind of guy. <laughs> oh, yes. Listeners, can you guess the mystery sound? <laughs> <laughs> that's a f- under the desk. 
I have a big wooden paddle we call the oar. It's about the size of a head. <laughs> it's quite effective. It's made of maple, so it's really hard. Yeah, it does look very intimidating, I have to say. <laughs> oh. I love it. He doesn't. Yes. But who cares about his opinion? Yes. You may notice Toko is not on this episode, like he was last time. Can you guess where he is, folks? <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry the object formerly known as toko <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna call it that all the time <laughs> so um yeah we're living fetish as a lifestyle over here in in uh mr leather uk 2019 manner <laughs> <laughs> oh god is um, that like the victor's village out of um hunger games I have never read or seen Hunger Games. Oh, it's just this uh, little aside where if you win the Hunger Games, you have to live in Victor's Village, which is built around the ashes of the bombed section of society. Amazing. I'm sure that they they appreciate that greatly, being constantly (laughs) reminded of society's yoke over them. Yep, that's the point. Metaphors, (laughs) literary metaphors, but um, yes. Marvellous. Well, Let's get to the um, topic. Yeah. So something that I always kind of tell newbies to the scene is like, this is a long game. Mm. There are people in this scene who've been in the fetish scene for 60 years. You have all the time in the world. Um, and that, that that's kind of like a good mentality to start with. Because like, I always say that Tumblr generated, like as a dom, I find that Tumblr generated an entire generation of total fuck-ups who come to me and they want, like, total chastity all the time. I'm, I'm so happy with this. But, like, the, there's a big difference between thinking about a kink and uh, being turned on by a kink and enjoying the act of that kink and having the relationship needed to develop that kink uh and just do it like kink is as much about who you do it with well i'd say personally for me it's more about who you do it with and the kink itself becomes secondary to that it's like how can we develop this relationship um but it becomes very it's, it's very easy during the during the kind of the early days of being on the fetish scene and kind of exploring things and doing new things all the time to kind of blast past your limits a little bit and not really understand your limits. Yeah. We've, we've all heard of the, of the person that said they've got no limits. Oh, God, yes. And it's like, I mean, when talking to these people, you can either go two ways. You can either go, oh, so I can amputate your arms and legs and just use you as a fuck doll. Or you can go, okay, then go clean my gutters. Go clean the hair out the bathroom sinks. I mean, I did that with Toko. <laughs> <laughs> he took my bins out earlier. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the thing about No Limits is that, it, for one, it's, it's, I, I always feel like I, I use the phrase Dunning-Kruger effect far too much these days, but it's, it's symbolic of the Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, the Dunning-Kruger effect is when kind of a little knowledge is dangerous, where you understand enough about a topic to not understand the complexity of that topic, that you can start to understand, and this is something that medical students get as somebody that's in medicine, and medical students think they know it all until they've actually got their first patient in front of them, and then they 
absolutely crap themselves. Um, and, 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 and it's like, oh, actually, you don't know how to even talk to somebody. Like, you don't even know how to have uh, this conversation, let alone how you actually assess and treat somebody. So it's it's something that kind of affects everyone. And when you first get involved in the kink scene, it's very easy to kind of go, right, yeah, well, I've been pissed on. Great, I know piss. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. you don't know the debts. <laughs> you don't, uh, uh, and, like, suddenly piss becomes on your, yeah, I'm totally fine with this list, but actually there are debts to that. And do you understand the full implications of where that is on your list? Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, most people think stuff like piss is fairly innocuous, but there's actually certain risks with it, um, mm -hmm. especially uh, a lot of stuff, um, your dom or your piss play partner, um, making sure what they intake before can be <laughs> important because mm -hmm. uh, I always remember the first time I really tried piss play. It's not really my thing, but I was willing to experiment. Um the Dom had been having vodka and Red Bulls all night. Oh. I did not have... sleep that night because I was yeah. so wired off the caffeine I got through the piss. Yeah, and this is something that, like, as a sober and clean person, it's like I'm super into piss. Like, I've got my ideal scene for piss, which is actually me sub. Mm -hmm. But, like, at parties, you can never do it if you're a sober and clean person. In fact, I retract my use of the word clean. I, mm -hmm. when, I got, when I got sober, uh, we used to say clean and sober. Um, I've recently kind of been discussing with a few people the use of the word clean and actually how many connotations that comes with when wrapped up with HIV. So uh, let's start with that saying I've been sober for 12 years. Um, I don't take any drugs. I don't drink anything. And a lot of drugs will pass through in the urine. Yeah. With a direct effect, not kind of like, uh, say, for instance, uh, hallucinogenics are actually that the, there's word that they're actually purer in the urine than they are from the initial substrate. Yes. Um, so actually, it can be quite dangerous for somebody who's got alcohol or drug issues to then mm -hmm. engage in this. And it's just something to be mindful of to go, well, actually, when I do piss, I do it with a trusted partner. I make sure. Whenever I'm having sex, I'm having sober sex. Um, and that's a little bit off-putting for some people. But it's about building a relationship. Um, and, yeah, I think that this is something that um, people, like, that, that's two sides to everything. Sure, there's some dangers to piss. But, but also, like, there's some psychologically fucked up stuff about piss as well. It's like when I think, like some guys, when they think piss, they're thinking about being in a bathtub and being pissed on. Mm. When I think piss, I'm thinking about wrapping somebody in rubber and having them restrained in my bathroom to be used as a urinal. And that's something like during a party or something like that, when you've got 10, 15, 20 guys and you're taking piss after piss after piss and you're vomiting piss, like that's... Yeah, a total next level and understanding why actually like that for some people are watching this and are listening to this and they're brick card by now. Yeah. But there's the thing of actually doing that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, they see the, these pawns where it's really easy to drink piss, but a lot <laughs> of not. first timers do just vomit up 
because mm-hmm. it's not something the body's accustomed to inject it, ingesting. And, you know, technically speaking, it probably shouldn't be ingesting piss. Yeah, I mean, you can recycle piss, I think, six times before it gets problematic. Um, according to the, the, the urologists at work. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is something that's like, yeah, we, we, with a fetish like this, it's it's mm. kind of, we have to, to some degree, overcome some kind of basal human instinct. Um, and I've got a, a, got a dear friend who's, who's super into scat, and I mean, he's known as a scat guy, but only tends to do it in kind of limited situations because you have to be in a very specific mindset for it. And mm. he's very proud of the fact he's like overcome his base programming about scat, but it's still done something that's done fairly rarely. If you spend your life in a bowl of scat, you've got problems. Yeah. And yeah. it's not, that's not kink shaming. That's saying like, well, actually, no, you've not got a job. <laughs> yeah. It... Like, or. I mean, one of the major things is you can tell when a kink's going wrong when it it's starting to affect your life outside the bedroom. Mm-hmm. If it impacts your ability to work, to socialize with people, to just generally live your life, um, it's probably maybe time to step back. Mm-hmm. And it, and you know, you know, a lot of people find the idea of a kink taking over their life inherently hot in porn. But sometimes wank fantasies can stay wank fantasies. Yeah, and it's it, it's actually a kind of a really dangerous. I'll use my experience here as as, as being a title holder. Mm-hmm. Like leather kind of took over my life for a year, mm-hmm. and it had to. Like once Mister Leather UK. Like, mm-hmm. but it, it like the title really screwed my ability to have normal conversations with people because I always felt like they wanted something from mm-hmm. me. And usually they did. And subs suddenly started appearing out of the woodwork who were who wouldn't give me the time of day beforehand, who now suddenly wanted to fuck because I had a sash. And somehow, like, that's mm. just toxic to me. The thought of that is just gross. Mm. Um, and, and I ended up, like, having to buy a lot of gear, being elected. One of the problems of being elected a title holder when you haven't got that much gear for the elected fetish <laughs> um and so like money becomes an issue and, and it, by the end of my title year i was wrecked psychologically mm. and I, was, like, I think a lot of people in the scene recognized like, i was really really struggling and i wasn't exactly quiet about it um but actually just going like it's really difficult to remember how to have fun in those situations oh yeah because we do this to have fun yeah. When it starts getting serious, then something's going a little bit wrong. Like, I live fetish 24-7. I live with my submissive boyfriend. I have a sub under the table being a footstool for me as I chat mm-hmm. now. We're doing these fucking... I'm on your podcast every other week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is something that's kind of really a lifestyle, but that doesn't need to be destructive. It doesn't need to be... Uh, it doesn't... It, it's still fun. Every fucking minute of this is fun. Yeah. And that's why I do it. I, I, I laugh more now than I ever did before I got into kink. Because every, anything that's ridiculous can be can be fun. Yeah. If you do things right, it's amazingly enriching, I find, to live a kinky lifestyle. You're offered headspaces and friendships and relationships with people you just can't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. 
and it can be brilliant and it but it's also you know you do see a lot of people go down dark paths and it's like there are some people where they're fetish for whatever reason where they're often it's not because of the fetish itself it's because of other things in their life um Mm -hmm. it's like that saying um nearly all addiction nearly it, it always nearly happens because of unresolved psychological issues not purely because of chemical dependency. Mm-hmm. I find kinks are often like that. If someone's going wrong and becoming very destructive in their kink, it's normally due because they have something else going on in their life, like driving mm. that. And, and I, I, I'll just kind of interject a little bit, because going wrong is such a weird way of describing it, because mm. like, who the fuck am I to decide for somebody else whether or not their kink... But the problem Good here point. is... It, the, it's the, just the hard problem, to find the words for it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, 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 we're on the same page mm. here. The problem is that when you're in that moment, something can feel very badly wrong in the moment, but it's very difficult to pin down why that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's difficult to, it, like, it, it, yeah, it, it, in that moment to go. Well, I, I, I'm getting in deep into this fetish and. Like it's difficult to reflect, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. w- w- when you're in the depths of that, and it can feel like, oh, I'm living the life that I'm supposed to live. Like fuck you all, fuck to uh, like, all of these people who've held me back before, and that breaking away from it can be uh, like that. That breaking out of like vanilla society. That's like so like something that i feel like when i came back to the kink scene because i was away for a long time but like i always felt like i was kink adjacent or like a kinky kind of guy even when i wasn't being kinky Mm -hmm. um per se like when i started stopped just like fucking guys off recon and started engaging it felt a bit like coming home yeah and like people in the kink scene get me and people in the kink scene understand the fucked up shit that goes through my head, like beating a guy till he's black and blue, and my response is to get a hard on. And it's like this, this, this isn't right. Why am I like this? Meanwhile, he's saying, "I want you to smush pineapple underneath your boots and force me to lick it off your boot soles." Why am I like this? And we come together because we're fucked up. Yeah, you're fucked up. Yeah. right um and yeah Yeah. like this is the thing like we're we're all fuck-ups and then we Mm. come together and it can feel like oh wait like i'm experiencing the things that i've always wanted i've never dreamed i would be able to validate this part of my personality which i think the the default state for many of us is to suppress it yeah to go well actually i'm in a vanilla relationship and Oh, I used to be into rubber a little bit, but let's let's push that down. That's not me anymore. Well, actually, what you want is for your boyfriend to be tied up and in rubber. Like that's that's yeah. damaging. That's a dishonesty in that relationship. Mm. I mean, over the years, I've come to realize so much of the queer experience is sort of the polar opposites of shame and pride. Mm-hmm. And that is such a defi- I mean, you know, we've made it our sort of calling card to co- to talk about pride, and our celebration each year is pride. But mm-hmm. it's because so much of our existence is defined by shame. Yeah, and 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 shame isn't something that's put on us by other people. I always mm. uh, something 
in the kind of rehab process for me uh, that came up was how we define pride and how we define shame. Um, and, 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 and it was always described to me that shame is hurt pride. This is something that's, I think, really kind of important to, to start to dissect kind of why we feel mm-hmm. shame because I think that like other people don't shame us like I, I, I like if if somebody is slut shamed but they're, un, they're they're an ethical slut and they love being a slut mm-hmm. like being called a slut isn't shaming for them so like, you just laugh at the person that's trying to use such a basic ass argument yeah like shame comes shame is generated from within yeah, um, I... shame is a is a psychological response to, uh, like feeling like I'm better than this, or like it's the word should that I think is toxic. I shouldn't feel like this, like that re- inner kind of rejection of a sexuality, for example. Society tells us we should find a girl, settle down. If you want, you can get married. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the way to be happy and and actually like well no like from age 13 i wanted to find a boy and beat him and and put my dick in him while he screamed and like that was something that was deeply worrying to me then like shit am i like am i am i a rapist mm-hmm. like because society didn't provide any context for me to understand what was going on and then when I come to the kink scene and realize, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a violent psychopath. I'm just a kinky psychopath. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just a sadist. <laughs> and, like, that's okay within the context of how do we think about consent. Because, like, if, you, if consent's done properly, then being a sadist and just, like, random acts of violence upon a sub, <laughs> you should have known that was coming. <laughs> uh, random acts of violence on a sub are, 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 like, that's fine because that's the relationship we have. Um, and, and, yeah, I think that... <sighs> yeah, and it's... I mean, I always think one of the most formative things for me growing up was watching the outing of George Michael. Because mm, he I was caught um, for, you know, Absolutely. for your gay history for the Zennials or whatever, what, listening to this, Gen, yeah, Gen Z. Um, yeah. the there was this big moment where George Michael was basically forcefully outed because he was caught by a policeman um, soliciting sex in public bathrooms. He was cottaging or dogging or whatever you want to call it. And what was amazing to me at the time was his reaction, which is he literally just went, yeah, so. And like, obviously the tabloids were trying to be this whole thing of, you know, sex, deviant, George Michael, public sex, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, yeah, so. Yeah, this is my culture. Like, but, but, but this is something that uh, it's like the, the, like if, if a, if a, a famous pop star, I was about to name one randomly, and then I went, no, because that could get me sued. (laughs) Like, if a random celebrity was to be found cottaging in the toilets now, there would still be that. 
Now that's to say that we've gone backwards recently with the with the tabloids, but actually, yeah. like ultimately, that that would be a scandal, and and like people are still like celebrities are still hounded and asked if they're gay and like kind of there's all sorts of shit that goes on where it's like when somebody comes out, then they're all like hand wringing and saying how. Uh, yeah, how, how wonderful it is and how happy they must be. But up until that moment, they'll hound them with paparazzi and they'll try and catch them out yeah. as if like homosexuality is a catching thing. <laughs> like, no, just stop giving a fuck. And I think the, 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 that, that shadow hangs over all of us when we start to confront the fact that we're kinky. Yeah. And when, like... As I said, like a lot of people get involved with the kink scene, and a lot of people just fuck around on recon. And I think that there's that the, the listeners to this podcast will probably be in the in mm-hmm. the former category rather than the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always feel like it's it's the people that are in the latter category that don't really like if you're just having random sex with the dom, or in my case, I was having sex with subs, and and like fulfilling my fantasies but actually on reflection now like oh i was one of those dangerous doms i wasn't learning from my mistakes i was hurting guys and then moving on and never actually getting any feedback on that yeah and 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 uh, the kink community very early on in kind of like my coming back to the kink community what like four or five years ago made me like called me out on my bullshit mm-hmm. hard like, like oh no you can't behave like this like you you are not welcome if you behave like this and actually that was something that was a really positive experience for me like why i'm always happy to call people out on bad behavior these days recently we had a thing about shot collars around the neck kind of come at that topic of conversation came up yes. again. Yeah. And, and a lot of people reach out to me who kind of do shot collars around the neck mm-hmm. and, and said, actually, thank you for explaining this because now I won't do it. <laughs> like the shot collars are bad kind of way of talking about it doesn't really help if you don't, if you treat people as independent adults who can, make yeah. decisions for themselves and explain that risk and understand that risk. And I think each kink comes with its own set of uh, risks which have to be managed and mitigated. Um, and <laughs> I just realized that's all getting picked up on the microphone, isn't it? You oh, can see it on the screen. Doing. I only just realized in the corner of my screen that you can see what's going on, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it... he's so happy. He's smiling underneath the leather hood. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> he gets even happier the more I punch him. Right. <laughs> but yeah, um, that is important, just like, you know. Being called up, pulled up on your shit is painful, but it is necessary. Yeah, and, and it's kind of cancel culture, and it's mm-hmm. almost like if you come, uh, if you get, if you are being cancelled, and you're able to ask why am I being cancelled, then yeah, and if like a lot of people take that quite well and learn yeah. from it, I think it, and, 
I mean, that is that thing of call people in, don't call them out. Like, your first port of call should be the quiet conversation to just go, hey, do you have a minute? I think we need to discuss this. (laughs) We need to talk. Yeah. And then if that doesn't work, then move on to the public calling out. Because, you know, it is a tool to be used. And a lot of abusers, you know, they only really got stopped once people actually spoke up vocally about them. Yeah, and this is this is something like I tend to come down on the, like I'll call out a behaviour rather than calling out a person because I think it's really important whenever we get like it's very very easy for to label somebody as bad, um, like if they're engaging in a behaviour which is unhelpful, like actually they're not bad. Like this behavior is super problematic and we need to talk about how we relate to this behavior. And I think like the, the, the experiences recently where people have been called out as bad people, mm. like this, this, this Nazi porn star or whatever his name is, who, who's been saying that black lives matter is, is a scam on like then, then being called out publicly. I mean, he is a terrible person. Yeah. What but is then... <laughs> ultra right wing porn stars popping up everywhere? <laughs> um, the, the, the right uh, kind of empowered at the moment. Maybe we'll talk about yeah. that later. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. When, when you call yeah. somebody out as a bad person, then they pretend to commit suicide and, release photos and yeah. like the whole thing just goes well actually nobody's learned anything from this no. can we look at like what what this is is an expression of tribalism even yeah. though like i agree that this person is a terrible person we have a the natural state where everyone like when you put something on social media and it's controversial and everyone comes back to you on it and it, it it sparks debate. It feels like being piled on, but actually, what you're doing is having a thousand one-to-one conversations with people that you didn't otherwise know. Yeah, um, I mean... and I've had that. <laughs> I've had people pile on to me. Yeah, um, and I... and the dynamic automatically changes because it's a public forum. Mm-hmm. Having a flaw or something you did wrong highlighted in public. Ganda is mm-hmm. a very different response from yeah. like a friend bringing it up to you or mm-hmm. someone concerned bringing it up to you one on one, like yeah. in private I messaging mean, or in, in person. Yeah, and 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 I think like getting friends to reach out to people is mm. is very important. I think that one of the key things whenever you're trying to argue something with somebody is that you should be able. I think we talked about this when when I became Mr. Leather and you, we talked about like the leather title holder, you have to be able to argue their argument back to them in a way that they recognize. Otherwise you're not actually dealing with the problem at hand. What you're dealing with is all the social nicety that's built and all the assumptions that's built on top of what you consider to be a flawed belief. So in order to get to that belief, you actually have to engage with that person and spend time with that person, understand where that person's coming from, which the internet doesn't really allow for. No, it's um, not a forum built for that. <laughs> Twitter, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> so. Yeah, 
Um, um, I think one of the things that we should talk about is um, how certain kinks intersect um, uh, with other issues go- going on in people's lives. And because obviously we've talked about it in abstract, I think a few solid examples may do it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things to bring up um, might be how certain, like for example, certain fetishes uh, interact with body dysmorphia. <laughs> yeah. Like on this show, we have had people talking about their muscle growth fetish. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> and we have I had have people... been cancelled over my muscle growth fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to say on that, but <laughs> yes, but um, and there's also stuff like silicon mod- modifications, which you know we have had guests on talking about it, and they've been very good guests. But my position on it has shifted over time after there were some quite um, horrible deaths from it because I didn't realize mm-hmm. at the time just how um, damaging it can be to the body. Mm-hmm. But there's also something that goes on, which is, and again, this goes back to Tumblr ruined people, because there <laughs> was this subculture of Tumblr blogs um, about people that just kept getting bigger and bigger junk. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, they basically end up with a blob between their legs that you mm-hmm. couldn't hide. And, you know, for them, it was hot because they were getting bigger and bigger and they had this obsession with size. Um but what often they didn't show on those blogs, because I know through talking to people who know them, is that these people often like lost their jobs mm-hmm. because, you know, when you're walking into the office and you've got a giant bulge on your crotch, like, you know, yeah. eight liters of silicon, like people just naturally feel uncomfortable around you. And they had and their boss and their employees just went, sorry, you're making everyone feel uncomfortable. We can't have clients God. around. Yeah. Like, we can't have you in there. And family, like mm. people have gone, I'm sorry, I, you know, at family gatherings when we have the kids, the yeah. nieces and nephews, and you've got this giant genital sticking everyone in the face, we don't want you around the kids. Yeah. And it's like, um, no one on these blogs talked about the fact of what you lose by doing that severe of a modification to your body. Hmm. And, and and we're still like no, it's very tempting to kind of go fuck you all and walk mm. out on society because society has failed so many yeah. LGBT people. But it, um, but we, regardless of what's going on, you still have to go to the shops to get your food. Yeah, and unless it is, you want to be shielding for yeah. the rest of your life and sit, sat inside and getting deliveries and never leaving the house, like you still have to engage in society. Yeah. And there seemed to be a reluctance for people to engage with a lot of them very clearly suffered muscle dysmorphia and often would often talk about their muscle dysmorphia, but they wouldn't talk about how that intersected with their fetish for size Mm. and like how they basically merged into another and probably drove the fetish for size into a very dark place. Yeah. And this is something that like it's, it's, it's something that I see in my job working Mm. with kind of muscles and the human body in a musculoskeletal setting is like well actually like the people who are the biggest like muscle wise often feel the smallest mm. because 
it's about who you surround yourself with. And if you if you're surrounded with guys that are bigger than you or appear bigger than you, and then we've got kind of like accounts on Twitter, I won't criticize them because they're hot, but like mm. drawing like art of like guys that it's it's you're never going to achieve the human body cannot yeah. achieve this. Yeah. Um, and then you've got art of or like guys who are being like photoshopped to look bigger mm, the morphs or guys that have used loads of steroids who kind of know what they're talking about with that um and yeah who, who, who've been doing this for 20 plus years yeah you know their shit and have been building solidly and you come into it after a year and actually, there's a disparity there, which you're never going to overcome. And oh, yeah. And this is kind of part of the, like, running to catch up, I think, is one of the things that really, really gets the newbies. Um, there's some scenes that are very, very toxic. I'd say, for instance, about gear. Somebody walks in the door and they've got a jock and a harness. And I'm sure we've talked about this before. Like, a jock and a harness is fetish if that's that's all you can afford. Uh, and pl- plenty of places say a jock and a harness isn't fetish. Well, actually, like, it's the best that many people can do. Yeah. Um, and it says, yeah, okay, I've not spent the last 20 years of my life in the fetish scene. But it might mean that they're going to spend the next 20 years of their life at the fetish scene. Like, it doesn't mean that their commitment to fetish is low. Uh, although it might do. Like, it might be that, that actually you want only want, like, super experienced fetishists at your club, in which case expect it to close because there's, yeah, there's about 14 of us. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, most of the, and most of them are at that stage in life where they, you know, going out isn't as important to them. Yep, twice a year. That's yeah. enough for me. Thank you very much. I can get all the sex I want without going to a sex party. Like, yeah. like it's an opportunity to have a chat with people and occasionally beat them up. Um, oh. And, yeah, the I, I, I think that... Sorry, the f- is just... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's leaking. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, I, I think that there's this kind of competitive element almost to it. When somebody walks into the scene, like, to call out, you know what, I'm going to call out the pup scene hard on this. Because I had it a few years ago where mm-hmm. people would go, like, people would be critical of a pup that didn't have matching gear. Oh, and God. like, oh, your colors have to match. And you have to be wearing a Mr. S hood because anything else is cheap. And it's just sort of like, no, what you've done is you've brought twink toxic culture into the fetish world. <laughs> and this ends here. <laughs> and I don't, um, it may be because like, I don't tend to engage with that many pups anymore, but it seems like that's kind of settled down a bit. Quite a lot of the pups that are serious about fetish have come into more uh, kind of like traditional dom sub style relationships. Yeah, uh, MS relationships, rather than or, or or like pup as a sexual thing at the moment appears to be something that's done more behind closed doors. Yeah, it's wearing a pup hood and drinking a pint in the RVT. 
Yeah, because I it's been quite interesting seeing the pup community change. Because like when I first started on the kink scene back when I was eighteen, it was very new, and you didn't have pup play per se. You had human dog training, and oh, it yeah. was a humiliation scene. Mm-hmm. And then so do you had pups, oh. and there was like. You know, there was like the gentler, funner side of BDSM and then it got big and as the community got bigger, it kind of got a bit more dramatic and conflicts and mm-hmm. people were like, well, for me, it's just social and, you know, you know, you can't <laughs> have, can't have public sex pups and. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, this is the problem when mm. you start telling people that they can't, um, and, and actually, yes, you can. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Um, but but there has to be... Spe- like, for me, like people laugh at me when I say, like, a recon party is a social event. Yeah. The time I get to chat with people, you get to dress up to the nines. And, like, it, it, it's, like, every every six months... The, the one in December is going to be, like, everyone's going to be dressed up to the eyeballs. It's going to be, like, prom. Yeah, like it's a kink version of prom. It's like, yeah, I ridiculous do levels of fetish gear, and some people have sex, but I always find most people like they want to catch up with their friends. In this case, they weren't a scene for best part of eight months. Yeah, when I go to these events, like I don't go very often, but I like normally go to the New Year's one and the Fetish Week one in the summer, and it is like I make plans to like maybe have sex with one or two people in the dark room areas and the rest of the time i just stay out in the smoking area chatting to people because mm-hmm. because that's that's really like the like when i said earlier like it feels like coming home coming to the fetish scene mm. like this, this this scene can be like everything to you it can like completely in a healthy way completely mm. absorb your life like i go to work and people go oh what do you do outside work and i'm like um I'm a community activist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to use that coded language around. <laughs> but, but actually, like, what it is is the fetish scene can mm. completely, like, absorb your your personal life. Yeah, and that's fine, providing it's done in a sustainable way. Yeah, and it is. I mean, talking about communities and going back to the whole thing about um, mental health issues intersecting with fetishes. <laughs> it can be very tempting to insulate yourself in a community that won't call you out on your behavior mm-hmm. and just like egg you on. And especially online when you can build, um, what's that word? YouTubers are always using it these days. What, like brand? Like, uh, not pseudo relationship, parasocial relationships. Uh, parasocial relationships, the bane which, of my life. Yeah. 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 Which is where you get to feel like, you know, people when you actually don't and often it's one way. And in these sorts of like online cultures where you get people just constantly giving you feedback about, yes, I love what you're doing to your body. I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're locked 24-7 and welded Mm -hmm. shut the key. And they constantly give this positive reinforcement and they don't actually care about you as a person. It's just reinforcing Mm -hmm. you as a fetish object. Yeah. So they won't... what you're doing in that moment is being being part of their... like. It's almost like somebody, like people see what they want to see when you post something up. Mm. Somebody messaged the fan recently and said, oh, but it looks like you haven't got any balls. And and it just kind of went on. like, 
And like we ended up like on my instructions saying, "Yeah, my sir removed them." Oh my god! <laughs> because like, and and he swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. And it's like people will believe whatever they choose to believe. Like people will like people will just like they're, they're not interested in this person or this relationship between my, me and my object. Like they're just interested in oh, what a wank bank. Like what, like. How do I have a wank over this? Yeah. I mean, um, I've... Oh, my God. Horrible, horrible memory. I had a friend who was very young, very naive, um, and they opened up to me that their dom was talking about learning from internet forums how to cash, temporarily castrate um, a person with heat pads. Now, how this worked, if that was even possible, I don't know, but I had to sit down and go hold on have you thought about the implications of what this will do to your body your hormonal hormonal balance everything like that your testicles yeah. regulate and he's getting this information off an internet forum yeah. Th- this dom does not have your best interests at heart mm. and it, and he was because he was really hot of the you know he fantasizes yeah. about castration but i had to be you know, the person from the real world is essentially going, have you thought about the implications of what this will do after the scene? Mm. And I think, I think castration is actually a really good example for the, mm. like when something has gone too far, like some things need to stay as a wank tool. Yeah. Like I love, I, I am all in on chastity. I love locking guys. Mm. I love having people permanently locked. Like my object is a trans guy, which is great for me because it's just like, great. Okay. Uh, I don't need to pay attention to the like. Yeah. We can just reinforce how unimportant your dick is. Like, great. Mm-hmm. You're here to serve me, not here to come. And like that reinforces it so much more. Yeah. Um, just to be clear and- for the listeners, this is play you and yourself have agreed upon and terminology you and yourself have agreed oh, upon. No. And this is not a judgment on trans people's genitals. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is not like, this is something that is all based on like a shared relationship. And this mm-hmm. is the language that we use in order to describe our relationship. Um, do not use this to trans people randomly because expect to get kicked in your own balls. And yeah. It will be right to do that. Yeah, yeah, so, so, like, I'm all in on chastity and I fucking love it. But, like, my boyfriend isn't locked. And it's like, because our relationship is, is, like, actually based on looking after one another and, like, keeping somebody permanently locked is damaging. Mm. Like, it is problematic. Like, I mean, he doesn't really need to be locked, but he's he's a good boy. But, um, yeah, like, the keeping, like, keeping somebody permanently locked and not giving them access to their key. Like, I I hear people, like, regularly get people asking me to, like, lock them. And it's like, well, if you give, if I take the key, you're not getting it back for two weeks because you live the other side of the country. Like, even if I post this, like, and and so you suddenly have this problem. Okay, so there's ways of doing it where there's a combination lock with the key inside and kind of all sorts of stuff like that that ends up being like, how do you mitigate this risk? Um, but that's not the hot that these people are after. These people yeah. are after 
to be locked without any like in the fantasy way but it is exactly that it's a fantasy and one of those things behind kink when we talk about like uh risk aware consensual mm-hmm. kink, or when we talk about safe sane and consensual um kind of all the 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 acronyms that go behind these models of how we talk about consent mm-hmm. and kink um is is what how do we mitigate the risk that ends up being quite often a lot less sexy than it is in porn but the thing is when somebody's suspended in porn they're suspended for 30 seconds they do a load of shots from a load of different angles and then they take them down immediately yeah or you get you get a professional suspension guy to come in tie the sub up that model the top he, he doesn't know enough about rope to tie somebody up like that and and so like what you're actually seeing is the fantasy yeah like we porn, but it's know, not we work not. at the london wolf pack together we do yep. education around rope and you know we have to tell people you know suspension bondage you know, it's a lot of work for about, what, a couple of minutes at most of oh. suspension. And it's not even that hot for the sub. Yeah. It looks, it's aesthetically pleasing. It and makes, that's why it gets, it makes amazing porn and it makes great photos. Social media stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, this is the thing. It's about social media because, yeah. And that's something that's... Uh, that's really important because like social media is about presenting a snapshot to the world Mm -hmm. in that kind of like, once again, kind of talking about parasocial relationships, you are allowing ostensibly allowing somebody into your life for a period of time. Like me using Toko as a flower pot stand, like, or like, but yeah, he's a plant holder. He was like that for like maybe five minutes. But the image of him being like that indefinitely is very arousing to some people to go like, oh, yeah, I just have boys around my house being plant pot holders or whatever. I might, If I had a party, I might get all of the subs to strip naked and hold a plant pot each and then make <laughs> and position them around the house in such a way that it looks like I have a, a basically a storage center for subs. But that's about, like, for me, that's about being ridiculous. I love it. And, like, the whole kind of storage center aesthetic, like, storage center on Twitter is just so hot. Like, it looks like, oh, yeah, he's got 40 objects, like, in impermanent storage while their masters are away. And it's like, well, there's, like, that's not how it is, but the wank image is hot yeah when you wank to something enough you start forming neurological connections that actually real life cannot match this it's like taking chems like when you get when you when you stop taking chems like hell like nobody feels as connected as that person did on on crystal meth but actually that connection was utterly false yeah and and i mean it's worth noting about the sort of brain chemistry around this which is Mm -hmm. the brain always gives diminishing returns on stuff like dopamine Mm -hmm. if you've had an experience that you've enjoyed if you keep doing it um most people i say most because non-neurotypical people uh Mm -hmm. can do this but um most people the enjoyment will diminish over time Mm 
It's mm-hmm. why re-watching um, a TV show you like will get progressively more boring each time you rewatch it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the same with kink. If you keep doing the same kink in quick succession day after day, it will lose its interest and you will need to do either a more extreme version or a longer version or a bigger version to get that same sort of chemical rush in your brain. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that that's true with kind of all of kink, not just mm. the act of having kink sex with somebody, but also like buying gear. Mm. Like big gear purchases, like actually it becomes super easy to get into debt because you're like chasing the dopamine rush mm. of what is essentially retail therapy. Um, because, oh, I've got the leather jeans. Well, now I need a leather shirt and now I need this and now I need that. And before you know it, you're 1500 quid down. You go, oh, but I'll you look amazing. Credit card. Well, yeah, that's a starter set. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like people people end up buying gear that they can't afford in order to kind of get the dopamine rush and to feel like they fit in and to get the the pot, the likes on social media and just sort of like look if 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 a thousand likes on a social media post are worth a thousand pounds to you, like something something's going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um and again, I mean, we talked about this on the last episode where you talked our audience through Findom, which is, Ooh. and there are people that get into horrible debt because they're chasing this constant high and they have to constantly give more to get that same rush. Yeah. And uh, there, was a, there was an interesting story recently of some guy who, uh, who who's basically a high-flying executive type who was still renting like a, like a, a, a crummy little... Uh, bed sit basically because he was gambling mm. and giving to Findoms and he had no money like he was uh, he, he should have had a villa in the south of France but actually he was chasing a sexual rush and that requires more and more and more money actually what what we need is change the yeah. human body needs change which is like how me and this object do things like every time is slightly different in order to make things new and interesting and engaging sexually. Um, Like I've never just like randomly grabbed a paddle and just like random hits. Like it it doesn't know when it's coming. Like, okay, this is the way of kind of building up something that's like new that he's never had before. That is just like, Hey, I've got like three boxes worth of, weird gears here i can combine them in a new interesting way each time and it doesn't need lots of new gear purchases and it doesn't need lots of like increasing extremity although like to come back to piss as the fairly kind of innocuous example like the first time you do piss it'll probably be you're pissed on if you're a sub and then you might want to try getting a little bit in your mouth and kind of getting used to it and you have to kind of piss train yourself almost and then, like a dom that you've got a relationship with, might have a have you save your piss and recycle it, and kind of get used to so, like on a day to day basis, start to train towards that. And so you're always getting progression. But what happens when you're piss trained? Well, if you're the 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 the, the kind of like, if you're based on the material side of things where it's how much piss am I drinking, how many guys piss am I drinking, yeah. and these kind of quali- uh, quantitative measures for success, 
if, if if quantity is your measure of success, that's not going to be sustainable. And instead, it requires kind of a flip. And this is something you see in a lot of the more experienced yeah. kinksters, where we start to see people using qualitative measures for success. That is, we say, like, did that build the relationship with this person? Was this something that we both really enjoyed? Was I able to be of service to my sir? Because, like, this one down here doesn't care whether he drinks piss or not, providing he's of service, and that's sustainable. Yeah, it, it really adds a, adds a different dynamic if there's a underlying relationship it feeds. Mm-hmm. And that fundamentally changes, and that does often supplement um just the fetish itself mm-hmm. um so what have we covered so yeah i think we've mostly covered everything on this topic uh, um, i was going to talk about why things feel good like aftercare yeah. and processing yeah sure yeah. let's go for that so, so let's cut back in mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I, I think it's worthwhile taking time after each session when you, whether you've done it with somebody who's you're in a regular kink relationship with or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for one, like aftercare isn't just snuggling on a sofa. Mm-hmm. I remember like getting together with this guy who was like super piggy and said he was into humiliation and like, the douche water he hadn't douched until the water ran clear let's just put it that way <laughs> and mess happened and basically punished him every time there was any mess and it started like it got into this like full-blown humiliation seat like the darkest thing the mm-hmm. darkest space as a dom that i've ever been in like utterly working to undermine somebody from the bottom up like and by the end of this guy was genuinely crying like it was just a mess and mm. we finished the scene like it was it was all within limits like mm-hmm. we had uh, red yellow uh red, 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 we had a rag system red red amber green and like there was a kind of a part of me questioning during the scene like whether he understood the limit like this is going deep fairly quickly mm. like he's not safe wording like i'm going to carry on pushing but i don't know this guy and afterwards, I sat down, like, it made me late for work, but I sat down with him and we had a coffee. And it, it was uh, like, it was almost a surprise to him to realize that he wasn't a piece of shit, that he wasn't disgusting, that he wasn't, uh, like, white, like not fit to be wiped off the underside of somebody's boot, that he wasn't, like, caked in shit, that he wasn't disgusting. Like, all of this stuff that had come out in that very dark humiliation yeah. space. Uh, that power fantasy that was like, I probably won't go back. That like that, that I realized there's a limit there for me that I crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like, yeah, being an asshole is just not something I'm. Well, I'm a dickhead, but <laughs> being like a grade A asshole like that was not something that like, that's a hard limit for me. Um, yeah. But but yeah, like having that aftercare afterwards and just sitting down and having a coffee. It took half an hour. Like, to be able to say, well, actually, like, how do you feel about that? And, like, immediately he was so apologetic for the fact that he was messy. And I was like, hey, we just rolled with that. Yeah. Like, that's just part of the scene now. Like, how do you feel now? 
and like being able to start to pick that apart and he realized that actually he'd kind of blown past his limits and hadn't even realized and i'd blown past his limits and he'd given me no indication of it but it was like one of those scenes where that aftercare afterwards made us both reflect and And it's hot sorry i'm just to say like as a dom it's super hot to use somebody and kick Mm. them out to use somebody as your rhino and then load them, load up their hole and have them dribbling and just messy and then just like throw their pants at them and say, now get out. Like that's hot. Like that level of mm-hmm. use. Why are you smiling? <laughs> right. Um, sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we are suffering technical difficulties. <laughs> um yeah like using somebody like that and kicking them out is hot but Mm -hmm. there has to be if you're going to do that you have to have some effective follow-up because if you don't know that guy and you use him and you kick him out that might be it end for him like that is the end like and he might might not respond to your messages or anything like that and then it's like a case of wow how how can you make sure your conscience is clear how can you make sure you've learned from that and you you had judge the situation properly and that he had judged the situation properly yeah because if go on introspection i mean i always talk about introspection is desperately needed and it's sort of i think it can be very easy because we do these in set scenes to think that nothing will follow you out the door and as you Mm. say that guy was surprised where he was like wait i'm not covered in shit i'm not filthy i'm not dirty i'm just a normal person having a coffee now and it's like you need to make sure that that there's this break and you work through anything that gets brought up in a scene Mm because often in scenes especially around humiliation around pain there is an intersection where often it can provide a catharsis for something in person in the person's life and that Mm -hmm. can be healthy but you also understand catharsis isn't the same as processing and dealing with something Mm. and i think that actually like when you're able to develop Mm. a good dom sub relationship sometimes when this stuff comes out then actually that level of catharsis being able to talk and and analyze well why and i think this is where the community is really really Mm -hmm. useful for people that don't have that relationship if you're playing and and you're you're just meeting a dom randomly and something ticks a box, being able to then sit down with friends and process that in a non-judgmental way. I think, like, with people who have your best interests at heart and who understand where you're coming from on a lot of this, I think that that's, like, uh, yeah, that, that that's something that's really, really important. Like, you have to process this stuff. You have to talk it through. You have to get whether that's with the dom, um, but yeah, like I, I, I say what I do because, like, the the lessons that I've learned is sometimes we come out of a scene and a sub feels like they've been raped. Mm. And, oh, actually, like we have some reconciliation to do here because otherwise this could have very serious implications. Yeah. And that's where I go, like, aftercare is so much more than just this kind of uh, 
yeah that than just like cuddling up on the sofa although that's what it might be if like you're into someone like my boyfriend like if 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 we have a uh-huh. session that aftercare is me letting him know how much i love him let him know yeah. he's valued let him know like helping him have a shower because he's usually uh-huh. messy afterwards <laughs> <laughs> like and actually having a shower together and getting the mess off everything and 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 like that's that's something that can be like romantic like yeah rom- like just because we're kinky doesn't mean you don't, you're not romantic as well just because i like spitting on a guy and like telling him he's a piece of shit doesn't mean that i can't also be romantic like the way that a guy looks up at me when I spit in his mouth with like, <laughs> like that's super romantic. It's so cute. And it, yeah, it's so important that I just think you can do both. You know, it's that meme of mm-hmm. get a man who could do both. It is. And I have, um, you know, I've had really intense scenes of doms that I've regretted later. Cause it's very clear. This dom wasn't, um, prepared to do the deconstruction they just wanted the hot scene and didn't want anything else Mm -hmm. and it is like even though that is something i wanted and it was hot at the time it also i needed more aftercare afterwards i needed that deconstruction and that sort of check-in of okay we've said a lot of stuff in the scene i need to affirm that you're not actually that or that isn't actually going on Mm. and 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 that's something like being with this one like mm-hmm. every now and again i'll get a text message just going like i just need a reminder that you don't think i'm a piece of shit mm-hmm. and and that's something that's really that's really valid like to go like be forthright okay down you go <laughs> you wait there yeah you're gonna make me pizza in a second yeah um Cool. We've been in the hood for over an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So to cut back in on that, then, um, yeah, you, 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 to kind of summarize, you've got to know what you want and you've got to know yeah. why you want it and you've got to know what you're going to do about it and mm-hmm. you've got to know how, you, how your life's going to look with that. Because if you start engaging in a lot of stuff, and going in deep into a lot of stuff, then your life is going to change. And you've got to know that from a consent perspective, like to say, do you consent to your own kink? How like woke am I? Yeah. But actually going like, hey, like, did you, is this the person you want to be? Yeah, it's like, okay, this is, fu- this is your limit when you're hard. What's your limit after you've come? Yeah. yeah. Like, because if you close those browser windows... Having had a, having jerked off and you feel filthy and you feel dirty, that's something that you need to pick apart yeah. before you go and do that stuff and, and engage in that in the community because you owe it to yourself and yeah. you owe it to the people that you're playing with because if you start like if you're if you're super into rape scenes or being used or being rented out or whatever and then you you hook up with somebody and actually you blow past those limits. Like you, you have limits that you didn't even understand, like, which is perfectly normal in that situation to not want that to go mm-hmm. on. And like, 
but but you previously stated no safe word and you've agreed no safe word and, and like actually you do a great disservice to the person you're playing with as well as yourself but yeah. actually like that there's a one-way relationship going on but they think it's two-way mm-hmm. like that's duplicitous and that that's not good know yeah. thyself yeah young kinksters actually examining and understanding what drives your kink and what drives your fetish underneath like the action and like what emotionally is going on with you and what sort of power dynamic you're fetishizing and just having a deep understanding of that is so important just it makes it better it allows you to do better play with it a deeper play with it but it also allows you to set better limits for yourself and protect yourself better Mm-hmm. And it's I just like watching boys cry, Craig. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah, like kind of being able to articulate mm-hmm. clearly, like being able to say like this is what I like and this is why I like it. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't articulate it clearly, it's probably a sign that you're not quite ready for it. And it's worthwhile kind of taking some time to explore it slowly and kind of like discuss it with people. Like this is something that I always say, like I'm more than happy if somebody wants to reach out. Like somebody asked me recently, hit me up on recon and and said, Hey, there's this particular fetish that you list. How do you do that in a, in a safe way? And I was like, okay, is this going to be a blood question? And it turned out it was something completely benign. I was like, oh, yeah, that's easy. But like, I'm always happy to talk it through with people. And it's like, experienced guys, like, if somebody wants to reach out to me about a particular fetish, like, hey, I love that other people are into this fetish. Of course, I'm going to have, I'm happy to like talk you through some of the implications of it and how it's changed my life. Oh, yeah, sharing with and, newbies and, and, can be so and fun cons. and fulfilling. Yeah, and it's like, it's, the, the, like don't be ashamed to ask don't be mm. afraid to ask just find somebody who knows like go on recon and search the, that profile filter and find somebody if you're a sub find somebody who's 100 percent dom and uh, and ask and say hey like i've never done this before you're into that like it says in the, mm-hmm. the things that you're you're into chastity for example like h- how do i how do i do that and like some people immediately try and take advantage of it and that mm-hmm. that's easy to see and other people will be more than happy to help oh, if yeah, somebody totally. tries to take advantage of it walk away mm-hmm. uh so i think this is a good wrap-up point so yeah. to review remember feedback from people online isn't real life they don't care about you that way have mm-hmm. a good community around you to spot when you're going wrong be open to feedback when people say you're going wrong Mm-hmm. Um, just understand, um, why you're doing a kink and what, um, implications it will have on your life outside. And just think beforehand, what barriers do I want in place, uh, for my job, for my life, for my livelihood? And what are my limits after I've come, not before? <laughs> yeah. Like mm. what, are, what am I really into and what am I mm. into? Because I've got 47 tabs open and I, I, I've drifted onto this vid. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I think Stay that's safe. covered the topic.